Hello and welcome to the For Pete's Sake podcast. I'm David O'Connor with EXP Realty. And I'm Alex Blancarn with EXP Realty. And today we're going to be taking you through the February 2023 Peterborough City Market Stats. We also got our tip of the month or deal of the month, a new segment um, called Mortgage Corner. And we also got some other news. And most importantly, if you've been paying attention, um, Alex lost a few bets in the last uh, little while. He's got to eat some uh, donuts on air. So uh, stay tuned for that. Yeah, today's the day. <laughs> Alex, how's it going, buddy? Good. How you been, brother? Good. You hungry? Yeah, getting there. Getting there. It's getting close to dinner. So, uh, yeah, definitely getting a little hungry. Yeah. You ready for your donuts? Yeah, I was going to bring a fork and knife, but uh, you said you were going to make fun of me, so... Yeah, I said if you, you were using a fork and I keep the donut on air, um, uh, this relationship would end. Yeah, <laughs> and I can't have that. Well, we can save that for the end. Uh, yeah. So there's for those, um, uh, he, I dropped off a, a Tim Hortons box that he hasn't opened yet, and there's a mystery surprise donuts inside. So uh, there was a couple of bets we made that um, I, Alex is a brilliant guy. I just happened to get the upper edge on a couple of them. I'm yeah. sure uh, the it will turn around in the future, but uh, – I'm extra excited because if you don't know Alex, he's a super healthy guy. I, I've never seen him actually eat food. He just drinks water. Yeah. So I don't know how his body's going to respond to uh, eating sugary donuts. So um, stay tuned for that at the end. Yeah, straight water diet. <laughs> but hey, before we get into the presentation, there's a lot of, lot of news happening um, in the Canadian slash Ontario uh, real estate world. Um, what do you got for us? Yeah, so some uh, some big reports since we last spoke. Uh, the first one that came out was uh, the GDP reading for Q4 of 22. Uh, so it came in at 0%, so a 0% change quarter over quarter, uh, which is not great considering the population of Canada increased by about 360,000 people. So when we see that large of an increase in population, typically you see an increase in GDP as well. Uh, so not great to see, you know, kind of no movement at all in terms of the GDP numbers. Uh, a reminder to everybody, a recession is defined as two negative quarters of GDP. So two back to back negative quarters of GDP. So we're at zero. Uh, so if we go down 0.1, we're at negative 0.1%. That would count as a negative quarter of GDP. Uh, now, on the bright side, we did see the January estimate come in to be around 0.3%. Now it's an estimate, but you know, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel there, maybe. Uh, in terms of inflation, we saw the January 2023 CPI come in at 5.9%. So what that means is we've seen an increase in the basket for CPI. So it's, it's a weighted basket of goods and services, basically. And it's gone up 5.9% since last January. Now we peaked at 8.1% in June of 2022. And yes, so these are these are year over year changes. So it's it's comparing June 2022 to June 2021. And it's an 8.1% increase in terms of the CPI basket. Now, when we're looking kind of at the breakdown of this CPI, we see that gas and food were both up month over month. So when we compare the gasoline and the food CPI, uh, 
from December to January 2023, we saw an increase there month over month. And those are kind of the two main pieces that that continue to hurt, you know, everyday Canadians like ourselves. Um, now, what we did see was employment numbers for January come in at 150,000 new jobs for the month. And most of those were reported as full-time workers. 121,000 of them were full-time workers. And the reason I bring all of this up is because it kind of plays into the large announcement today. Um, today is March 8th, 2023, and the Bank of Canada came out for their policy rate meeting today. And there was no media brief today, so we didn't get to hear TIFF talk. But what we did see was they held their policy rate at 4.5%. So no interest rate increase. And although we didn't hear TIFF talk there, there was a statement that was released on the Bank of Canada's website. And I took a little excerpt out of that. And here's how it reads. So they said in their statement, the governing council will continue to assess economic developments and the impact of past interest rate increases and is prepared to increase the policy rate further if needed to return inflation to the 2% target. So Dave, a lot of news there, but uh, what do you make about that statement uh, from the Bank of Canada? Yeah, so it sounds like, so there was no rate increase today as we expected, because when they met on what, January 25th, they made a commitment to do to, to a pause on rate hikes. So it would be a bad luck, look for them if they uh, if they did do an increase today. So we weren't expecting that. It does sound like, like in, I guess in layman terms, they are setting up the volley for potentially doing a rate hike either when they meet in, what is it, April? And then, and then if not April, June. So I think they're um, laying the foundation for uh, a future conversation which is, is going to be probably uh, a mid-year rate increase is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. And um, just, just kind of a side note on why I brought all of those statistics up. Um, all of these things that happen on a macro level in terms of what's happening with Canada, in terms of CPI, in terms of job numbers, in terms of GDP, all of this impacts real estate. The Bank of Canada, it, it impacts buyer sentiment. And as we know, the market is dictated by interactions between buyers and sellers. And if there's no interaction from buyers because they're hearing all this doom and gloom and they want to put their buying plans on pause, well, then there's no real real estate market. So that's why all of these kind of macro statistics are important to kind of look at and to monitor. No, no, exactly. We're, we're going to get into it, but we'll, I'm just going to tease that it seems like a perfect storm is starting to brew where we, we could see the buyers come back to the table and uh, we could be going back into a, a seller's market um, this spring. So let's uh, let's jump into the um, February 2023 market stats. Yeah, let's dive into them. We're going to do uh, this is year over year, February to February. So February 2023 to February 2022. The average sales price has declined 24.3%. Uh, uh, new listings has declined 45%. Number of new sales has dec declined 52.4%. Uh, and the days to sell has increased 257.1%. Alex, what do, you, what do you think when you see these numbers? Well, I see a lot of declines. Uh, yeah. I see a lot of declines. I mean, days to sell has obviously increased. Um, but yeah, a lot of declines there. It's, it's no... 
surprise really when we think about February of last year. Um, we'll kind of get into it here, but I think we saw like an eight hundred thousand dollar average price for a residential home in the city. So yeah, it's no surprise that we have seen declines since then in terms of yeah. average sale price. Um, seeing the number of sales drop by 50% is, is a little alarming though. Yeah, no, uh, that one jumped out on me. And uh, also it's interesting to, or important to note that uh, we're now comparing to February, 2022, which was the apex of, um, of that, that, that boom we saw last year. So that, that's why I wasn't surprised to see the, uh, the days to sell being you know, like 257% because this time last year, you just had to throw a listing up and it was selling. So I think the average will get into it, but people were holding for, for a week and then it was off market. And I, I think, I think the average days to sell, I think they came in at eight days to sell uh, for February, 2022. So yeah, like just a week basically. To yeah. sell. But we talked about it before, if they weren't holding, it would be two two, three days, right? And they were just yeah. holding to get exposure for the property, get those out of town uh, buyers up for the weekend, um, hold a, hold the competition, um, put buyers against each other, drive up the price. Uh, everyone knows how, how it works for when we're in that kind of market. But um, that's what we're comparing to though, the February, 2022, which was the peak of, uh, of the boom we saw last year. Yeah. So yeah, there's kind of the graph there um, for a visual representation. Uh, I mean, you do see it increase um, from November, you see kind of the bottom there in November and, and we've increased since then, not the bottom of the market, but the bottom of the average price. You can see it there now numerically came in at 575 in November and we're up to 606 basically uh, in February. Now, what's great to see is the, the average price increase uh, month over month there, uh, a slight increase from January to February. Um, so yeah, great to see there. Another thing to note is we're almost at February 2021's average price. When you look back, you know, we kind of went like this and now we're kind of back to February price of 21, which I mean, you look at the year over year change of 2020 to 21, that's a pretty substantial change going from 474 to 604 in a year. Yeah, we haven't talked about this before, but um, it's it's interesting. Is it looks like with with the information we have in front of us that this is the new baseline. Where if you look at 2019, 2020, the way we were trending up, um, then we know 2022 was definitely a big outlier. But there was there was also a, a big influx going into 2021. So are, are we in the middle of a of a longer spike, or or is this? this price point we're seeing in 2021, 2023, the new kind of like baseline price. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then looking at the new listings, uh, just look at that small bar in December of 22. Um, you know, sad, a huge drop off little, there. Sad little bar. It's a sad little bar. And it looks like we've almost doubled the number um, well, from December. Uh, yeah, you see 46 in December and 77 in, in February. Uh, now we do see the new listings drop month over month. And in terms of the last five years, that's the lowest February of the last five years in terms of new listings. And this is the one that when I say worries me, um, if it, it does seem like as we'll get into that, the, the buyers are, are, are getting ready to go. And if, if the listings aren't there, then we're, we're going to be 
um, spiral into another seller's market. We're going to see prices go up. We're going to see competitions again. So I, I was surprised to see uh, the, the 77 there because, again, we know the last two years are, 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 could be a bit of a, anomalies, but when you compare it to 19 and 20, um, and we're still down. So um, it, it, it's part of the formula or the recipe for uh, maybe a, a spike in a busy spring market. And, and yeah, note on that. Um, and I, I'm kind of checking active listings in Peterborough uh, as well as the, the pending listings. So pending listings are anything that hasn't closed. And the, the pending timeline there is, is zero to 180 days. So anything that has sold basically and hasn't closed in the last 180 days. Now, the ratio is getting larger and larger for active to pending. We're seeing more pending then we are active. And that is scary to track that day, day over day and see that the number of active listings compared to the pending listings, they've, they've decreased and we're seeing no inventory on the market and, and buyers are scooping up these homes quickly. Yeah. And we were talking about this, the best way to, to explain it is because there's more sales than new listings coming, but we, we haven't felt it yet because there's the existing inventory. Yeah. what's happening is the market is starting to eat up that inventory, but we, we don't notice it yet in the numbers. And it's the reason why we haven't spun into a, a seller market officially. But I'm saying these are the warning signs that as soon as we eat through that inventory and then there's more sales than listings, then, then as I said, we're in for um, a, a medium to like potentially heavy buyer's market this spring. Yeah, yeah. And, and number of sales, you see a, a slight decline there month over month. Um, again, this was one of the shocking ones to, to see only 50 sales in a February. I mean, look, look at those last five years. You got 2019 is the lowest at 69. Um, but 50 sales in a February, that's look at what it was last year at 105. Um, sure. You know, it's, it's tough to see the 50 sales and, and it's gone down month over month. You look at December, which felt so slow, and there were 45 sales. Yeah, and we were talking offline how this number could be skewed a bit because, say, last year, for example, there there wasn't a lot of successful bids that had conditions in place. Right. Right. So right. If, if they had – so this 50, there could be homes that are sold conditionally in February that won't firm up till, till, till March. Right. Um, so you're, you're not seeing those in these numbers. That's why I think – the March numbers uh, when we do the next episode are, are going to be huge. I think we're seeing all the signs, but I think when we see the March numbers, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we're officially, um, yeah, spring's going to kick off and uh, we're going to be fishing the seller's market. Yeah. Yeah. And now the, the active listings to, to number of sales there. Um, so active listings are green and, and sales are blue. So we can see the number of active listings are almost double the amount of sales. So it looks like close to, you know, a hundred active listings. And as we know, there were 50 sales for the March month of month of February. Yeah. And you see it, it is the, the green, the, like the active listings is, is trending down a little bit. Um, and I, I, I do think in the next couple of months, we're going to see those numbers being, uh, pretty, or the bars of pretty similar heights or these numbers being pretty similar. Yeah. So, so looking at it here, kind of year over year, 
um, you know, active listings in February of 22. Remember, this was the peak of the market. Uh, we saw 67 active listings. We've got 97 in 23. Um, number of sales. We had 105 sales in February. Uh, compare that to active listings of 67. And you can see a bit of a, uh, a skewed ratio there. Uh, and then we've got 50 sales. So the ratio is almost flipped. You know, we, we almost see double the amount of sales as active listings last February. And it's flipped this February where we see almost double the number of active listings as we do sales. Yeah. And I do think we're going to see that those numbers balance out a little bit in the next few months. Look at my, my favorite is, is look at November 51 sales, 146 active listings. Yeah. Like, or, or better yet, you know, September of 22, 164 active listings and 66 sales. And then in terms of days to sell, uh, you know, look at the graph there. We saw a, a down tick month over month, which is a, a huge bonus for sellers. Um, you know, it looks like we're around that 25 mark. Yep. So 25 exactly. And and I lied in the intro. The, the number of days to sell in February of 22 was actually seven days, not eight days. So how nuts is that? Seven days to sell your home. Again, we were chatting. That's mostly from the hold. Uh, we're not seeing that as frequently now. Sometimes we'll see a 24-hour irrevocable, um, which can sometimes encourage bidding. Um, but we're, we're seeing, you know, we're not seeing a lot of properties hold these days. But with another indicator to, to pay attention to is just that month over month drop. So that that 34 in January to uh, 25 in February. That's a good we'll, point. Yeah, we'll be into the teens most likely in March. And then uh, if we get back into a little bit of holding, I, I don't think we're going to go into a market like, like last year. I think we're, we're in for a more traditional spring market. Yeah. At, at the beginning of the spring, usually there's less inventory than, um, than there are buyers. And then if it is a traditional spring market, you, you could see a little bit more inventory later in the spring. And uh, th those numbers, uh, days to sell start to go up again. But I, I do uh, anticipate this number to go down at least for March, April. And it's it's cool to see the, uh, the average days to sell there. I think it was from 2019 and 2020. Uh, for February, they were, they were 24 and 25. So, so we're right on par with 2019 and 2020. It's just those last two years, 22 and 21, where we saw, you know, eight and seven days to sell, which is nuts. Yeah. And then, yeah, we got months of inventory. So a slight uptick there um, where we're, we're almost at two and a half. I, I would say it's maybe 2.4 ish in terms of month of inventory. Um, yeah. So this doesn't tap track the decimal um but yeah i'd say it's 2.4 maybe up from 2.2 last last month um so yeah an uptick there in months of inventory yeah and i know we we, we talk about this every podcast but is, is it um under under three or is it under four is considered um a seller's market i think it's under three yeah i think it's under, under three. three and then three to kind of five six is balanced and then you've got uh you've got anything over five, six is kind of a buyer's market. Yeah. So, so we're, we're sitting still in a seller's market. And as we talked about with the news today, or it's going to have buyers feeling a lot better. Uh, well, I don't know, um, spoil the, uh, the mortgage corner that's coming up, but there's a lot of big indicators too, that, uh, buyers are getting fully equipped for this spring market. Here you go, buddy. You're the, the new segment.
Yeah, so we got a fun new segment here, and and we're looking at Mortgage Corner um, from from a site called Rates.ca, and this is a public website. They released uh, a public uh, piece of news about their website um, in January, at the end of January, kind of what's going on and what they're seeing in terms of mortgage apps and renewals and refinance. So that's kind of what's going on with this graph. But there were a couple of key points that I wanted to highlight from their article. Um, So month over month, we saw renewals up 107% and purchase quotes up 92%. So we also saw year over year, and that's what this graph measures. So compared to January of 22, renewals were up 49% and purchase quotes were up 48%. So now the renewal side of things there at 49%, it's not really surprising as uh, rates have likely climbed since these um, borrowers had their initial mortgage and now their term is coming due and they're looking to shop around for a, a lower rate than what's going on maybe with their current lender. Now, what's surprising is the 48% increase in mortgage applications. So if we think about what happened last spring, most of those buyers would be gearing up for their spring market purchase in January. They'd want to get their pre-approval in January and they'd get you know everything ready and good to go for their February, March purchase so that they could close with that pre-approval in place. So seeing that we're we're seeing a 48% increase year over year in mortgage applications, that means there's more buyers out there looking, trying to get mortgages than there were last year, which is is crazy considering what happened in in spring of 22. Yeah, now, what, happened, what happened last year is people were taking on a lot of risk and um, they weren't going through these proper processes. They were they were going in clean without, without doing their financial due diligence just because of uh, the urgency of the market they were in. And, and we've got a really, uh, uh, maybe a surprise here for you. I don't know if I told you about it, but there's a surprise piece of news that I'm going to talk about as well uh, in, in terms of the mortgage space. Um, another interesting statistic here from, from their article, uh, they saw fixed quotes increased. Um, they, they were up 75%. Uh, over the past four months. So that's compared to variables. So 75% of borrowers are looking towards a fixed rate compared to a variable. And I mean, that's kind of obvious. Borrowers are going to try and maximize their purchasing power. And right now we're seeing fixeds lower than the variable rates. So that's why we're kind of seeing that influx of borrowers turning towards the fixed rate. Another interesting fact was they saw down payment amounts had dropped by 7%. Uh, now, this could be due to falling home prices, but it also could be due to buyers putting less down and taking an insured mortgage, which is any mortgage where you're putting less than 20% down. Um, because when you take an insured mortgage, most of the time you can get a lower interest rate because there's less risk to the lender because that mortgage is insured. Now, Although they are taking a lower interest rate and they're putting less down, sometimes they can get their monthly payment to be lower, even though they have to pay for that cost of mortgage insurance. But what's great is that mortgage insurance cost is actually spread throughout the term. So if you're taking a five-year fixed rate mortgage, you actually pay that insurance and it's spread throughout those five years. Now, 
overall, we saw an increase in mortgage activity. Um, and this could be due to the seasonality uh, of the market. You know, these these buyers kind of gearing up for the spring market. But it also could be due to buyers thinking that this is the potential bottom of the market. I know we've kind of talked about it a bit. Yeah. Um, the other thing, the other thing to note here with these, like it's January over January, um, it's just that most lenders, not all, but most lenders will hold a rate for 120 days. So when we see this January spike, as I said, it's people re potentially retooling for the spring market. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the, here's that piece of mortgage news I wanted to tell you about. Yeah. Uh, so OSFI, which is the office of the superintendent of financial institutions, uh, super long name. So just call them OSFI. Um, basically their job is to regulate and supervise federally regulated financial institutions, uh, like banks, insurance companies, and pension plans. So what they're looking at right now is they're potentially changing their loan to income threshold guidelines. Uh, so typically right now you can qualify for about four and a half times your income. Uh, so let's say you make $100,000 a year, you can most of the time qualify for $450,000 for a mortgage. Uh, but this could be subject to change as per OSFI. Uh, this would limit the buyers uh, to a lower mortgage amount, which would decrease risk for financial institutions and could potentially lower home prices as affordability gets pushed even further away. Now, if anything happens, keep an eye on the news. It's likely to come out in Q3 or Q4 of 2023, but that could be a huge change for the housing market. Yeah, you got, you got less spending power across the board. Huh. Yeah, so that could that I was thinking like that could drop, uh, you know, prices because I mean, if like we were saying earlier, the market is dictated by interactions between buyers and sellers. If buyers can't afford to pay six fifty for your house because they can't qualify for that amount for their mortgage, well, then you're going to have to drop the price if you want to sell. So we could see that have an impact on on housing and, and the prices of homes. Definitely. And next up for you, we have the tip of the month. So for this month, we decided to go with a pre-approval letter. So just tying into everything we just talked about with all the uncertainty in the market, it's always great to go get your pre-approval from your lender. Now, I, I want to clarify because I'm sure, Alex, you've, you've run into this a lot. You'll, you'll deal with a buyer. And one of the first things you say, well, let's see what kind of budget you have to work with. So um, let's uh, have you had a pre-approval. And I'll say, well, the bank told me I have about this, but that, that's great. But is an official like pre-approval letter? Because there's a big difference between um, um, Joe Bob at the bank telling you, yeah, the numbers look pretty good. You're, you're probably good for about like 600 or so and getting an actual um, pre-approval letter where they, um, they, uh, they vet your uh, debt to income ratios and, they, and, they, and they, they, they do everything. They give you a very firm number that we will lend you this amount of money. So we always think it's it's best to, to go get that pre-approval for, for a lot of different reasons. You gotta know what budget you have to play with, but also uh, financially, it can be very beneficial to you. you yeah, huge, huge benefit for, for, for the buyer financially, because like you're talking about, you lock in an interest rate, which is yeah. huge when we're seeing bond yields on the increase um, slightly. Uh, but that directly impacts your fixed rate. So if you could lock in, let's say at a 4.9%, 4.9% 4 
for 90 to 120 days and you're able to purchase something when somebody who got a pre-approval maybe a month after you locks in at a 5.2% fixed rate, that's a huge difference, especially for your first term when most of your payments are going towards interest. That is a huge difference on your monthly payment. And let's look just at last year. I know there was one there was one rate increase that was a, a full point, right? And uh, and potentially there there was two increases in a period where you could have had a, your 120 days. Now that is 120 days till the deal closes, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but it, if we look at last year, that's one one and a quarter, 1.5. Um, you potentially could have saved yourself um, last year. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you were going variable, which a lot of them were um, last year because it increased their buying power. And, and if you didn't lock in with a variable, um, you know, it, maybe you got your pre-approval and your buying power decreased because you didn't go and get that pre-approval, you know, 60, 60 days before kind of thing. Yeah. And and maybe um, you're, you're a buyer and maybe you're not sure if the time is right, but why not go in, get your pre-approval letter. Um, you can always renew it you know, every so many months, just in case that perfect uh, property materializes and uh, it's, it's time to go. It's kind of like we talked about a couple of podcasts ago. Um, I think my tip of the month was be ready. And on the buyer side, this is one of the ways you can be ready is have your pre-approval in place, um, ideally before you start looking. But you never know, uh, circumstances change and maybe you didn't think you were going to be moving quick. But yeah, this is, this is a good way to be prepared. And, and a huge benefit, again, for the buyer is when you're doing an offer for a seller, it shows that you have the financial ability to purchase their house. Yeah. Yeah. And then I've had buyers that were comfortable sharing that information and it, it makes the seller feel feel a lot better. And when you're in competition, too. It helps, yeah, for it's, sure. It definitely could be an advantage for you. And now we got for you the uh, deal of the month, Alex. Let us know about the uh, deal of the month. Yeah, so welcome to 762 Water Street. Uh, why is this the deal of the month? Well, as you can see there, it's got six bedrooms. Six bedrooms on Water Street. And for those uh, that aren't from Peterborough, uh, Water Street is one of the main roads in Peterborough. And we kind of highlighted this one as a student rental because there is a bus stop just down the road from this property that goes right up to Trent University, which is on the north end of Water Street. So looking at this one, I mean, it's, it looks pretty good for 667. Um, finish level, it's it's looking pretty pretty nice for 667. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Um, as you know, Alex, I've been through this property. Um, it shows extremely well. There's a lot of recent work has gone into this. Um, it's got a new roof, 2022. New um, furnace, 2022. Um, windows are newer. The, um, the they have a new on-demand hot water um, heater, 2022, and also a brand new uh, AC unit, brand new deck out back. Um, they refurbished um, the kitchen. Um, great layout um, again for for student rental. And here's the bonus: so it's six bedrooms. And I know you're going to talk about the numbers soon, but one interesting thing to note. As you're seeing in these photos here, there's a, there's a heated garage in the back that has its own electrical, and um, it would be a perfect either store space or it looks like it was previously used as an art space, and that could be uh, additional revenue in, in addition to the to the seven rooms. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity here. 
Yeah, a lot of great opportunity. Uh, now, let's jump into the numbers because, yes, this is a great-looking product for 667, uh, you know, beautiful home. But where this property really shines, it's it's in the numbers. So the listing here, it advertises um, a, a potential market rent of $800 per room, which, as we know, kind of watching market rents, it's not out of the question, especially for a property that looks as good as this property does. So let's run the numbers on it. So six bedrooms at 800 per room. That gets you a potential monthly income of $4,800. Okay, so what are your expenses? Well, let's hop into the mortgage payment. That's going to be your largest expense. So if you're paying purchase price for this property is the list price. So we're purchasing at 667. We've got an estimated monthly payment of $3,182 per month for your first five years in a fixed rate of 5.24%, which I found on RateHub. Now, it wasn't the lowest interest rate, but I don't believe it was the highest either. But I tried to pick one that was kind of on par with what we're seeing in terms of the big five banks. Now, if we're looking at a mortgage payment of $3,182 a month, we can also look at the expenses, which could be taxes. So your tax bill for the month would be $327. And that is $327 a month. That's your 2022 property tax divided by 12 gets you $327 a month. So what does that leave you with? Well, that leaves you with $1,291 a month. How crazy is that? Now, you may have some other expenses on there, uh, such as maintenance, vacancy, utilities, insurance, um, but maybe you can get $800 a room and, and they pay the utilities. That knocks that yeah, one. Th th this is definitely a plus plus because, again, you get six students in there uh, splitting, what, three, $400 worth of utility bills, an extra like $40, $50 for them. That, that's pretty standard in this community, to be honest. And again, if you get that art space in there, that that's just bonus. I think that that number uh, would potentially increase as well. And, and again, you, you'll probably talk about this some more, but we're talking year one. Yeah. And that's the best part. Like year one is typically the hardest year to hold uh, an investment property because I mean, the numbers only get better as you do pay down your mortgage. Um, but this is year one and you're, you're pocketing, you know, maybe after all of those expenses, uh, you throw maybe property management in, in there. We, we didn't want to do a deep dive on this one just for time's sake, but you're probably yeah. pocketing around, you know, $400 a month and you're putting 20% down. Yeah. And th that's, that's, and we're padding some of those numbers as well. So that's, that's the thing that's interesting. Um, here, here's another, another bonus, uh, pro tip for student houses. Um, what I like about this one is they because they convert um, some of the space on the main floor in, into rooms. The um, the student houses with less uh, social space tend to be the ones that don't have the parties. Yeah, yeah. Little, we don't talk, we don't talk about those kind of things, but um, it's it is a concern obviously when you when you have a student house. Um, th this one has great lounge space, but it's definitely not uh, a, a kind of property that they would uh, they'd be rolling kegs into. So. And that's another thing with uh, expenses here, right? Like maybe you normally throw 100, 150, 200 bucks on maintenance. Um, you know, maybe if you're renting to students, you, you lean towards the 300 to 400 bucks a month just to be extra safe. You know, maybe there's a hole in the wall here. Maybe there's, you know, uh, a smashed 
oven there. You know, students can be hard on a property. So it, it's good to just prepare for that with your maintenance uh, budget. Yeah. Do you mind um, while you're live on there? Do you mind bringing it up on, on the map there? Yeah. 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 Let's pull that up. So I think when it comes to investment properties, too, um, I, the, the reason I like students is just because, you know, if you get a nice long term tenant in there, it can be great. But what, what sometimes happens is I just had this happen recently on a, on a listing I had in on Edinburgh. But you have these long term tenants and uh, the, the, the rents are now nowhere close to the current market rents and it can become very difficult to sell. Um, obviously, the pros have long term rentals. Um, having people in there is um, it's it's uh, less demand on you. You have a good tenant in there. You don't really worry about it for years. With students, maybe you get a group of students that want to stay for multiple years, but a lot of times you're you're doing annual leases and things like that. But the pro is that they're coming out and you can adjust uh, the rents, you know, as the market changes. Um, yeah, looking on the map here, if you look, it's just north of Park Hill, and I I, I love this area. Um, your walking distance to downtown. And as um, Alex mentioned, the uh, Trent Express comes right along there. And uh, Water Street's a one-way street going north to Trent. And then George Street that parallels is the uh, one-way street coming coming the other way. And there's a bus stop right over there, about a three-minute walk. So uh, primo uh, location for uh, definitely for Trent students or, or, or rental in general, because you're still walking distance to uh, amenities. And that's Trent University kind of up there where my where my mouse is. So it's just kind of north of Water Street. Um, great, fantastic park right here as well. Um, I've definitely done a bit of fishing in, in this part right here. I mean, I've caught nothing but seaweed. But, you know, there, there's great entrances into the river there where you can go for a swim. You can go for a paddleboard. You can go for a canoe up the river. Go underneath the Park Hill Bridge here. Um, fantastic park right here with with a jungle gym and, and a basketball court. I've definitely played there a couple of times as well. Um, so yeah, just it, it's a good area and and it's fantastic. I think for a, a student rental um, with Trent University just being up the road here and at six six seven for for that type of property. I, I mean, you just you can't go wrong. And as I said, I've been through it. The, the bones are really good. Um, obviously. <laughs> I, I want to preface this or, you know, you, you always want to get it, you know, your home inspection and things like that, but they did a great job of doing updates, but preserving that, uh, um, the, the elements of a centric home that people love, like uh, the trim work and the staircase and, and things like that. Um, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of this one. Yeah, that's a nice, it's a nice property. All right. So Alex, now's the time, buddy. Yeah. So the big, uh, big Horton's unboxing here. Uh, All right. So for for those that maybe weren't tuning in for the whole the whole uh, podcast here, we had uh, on some of the previous episodes there were some bets that I got lucky enough to uh, be successful in, and there was two bets, uh, and the, the loser had to eat a Tim Hortons donut. So um, we were supposed to do it on air. Uh, a couple of listeners, I, I, I didn't think people were paying that much attention, but reached out and they're like, "When's Alex going to eat his donuts?" So now's the time. So if you uh, undo the uh, the box there, I'll let you know what you, you're dealing with. Yeah, so today's the day. Uh, I haven't looked inside the box yet, so let's see what we're working with here. <laughs> so you got you got a, a chocolate glaze, and I let you off easy. We got a Timbit, but it's a birthday cake. Now, yeah, the original I, uh, plan was I was going to surgically put the birthday cake inside <laughs> in the hole, right? Um, just yeah. um, 
that that was my uh, creative side. But uh, as you can see, with all the glaze and stuff, that didn't really work out. So you got yeah. uh, a chocolate glaze and a birthday cake Timbit to deal with. Well, I'm fired up here. Uh, you know, thanks for the donut. Um, it's a big change from my my water diet. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> appreciate it. Here's first bite. <laughs> and let's see how Alex's body responds to having sugar for the first time in probably a decade. Yeah, I'm going to be <laughs> up all night. <laughs> you're you're going to be texting or calling me with uh, podcast ideas at uh, 1 a.m. tonight. Yeah, yeah. Mm. What do you think? Could you, could you get into this donut uh, intake? It's worth losing the bet for, I'll, I'll tell you that. I mean, it, it's a, it's a free donut. We got to um, we got to come up with a new bet for for next month. Yeah, so when when you were uh, you were thinking, I know we have the lingering bet about where the market's going to end this year that we did in the year in review. So we still have that one pending. Let's uh, let's do a fun one here uh, that everyone can kind of do. Average price. I'm thinking average price in March is six forty to six fifty. Wow. Wow, that's a jump. Yeah, um, I think we're seeing six forty to six fifty. It went up about, I don't know, roughly about five. Um, I think you could be right, but if you if you want to do as easy as the one forty, and I'll go under. No way. You got to do. Well, actually, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah, because that if gives you above six forty. I win. If it's below six forty, you win. All right, and, and that's easier. Then, then we still we we have a winner every time i don't feel good about this one but can i can i pick my donut <laughs> no <laughs> what i'm gonna do is get a a chocolate glazed donut and a birthday cake timbit and i'm gonna put it inside if only that, I had that's what you've got in store for you uh for you next month there you go i'm looking forward to it all right brother uh, alex again thanks uh for all the work you you put into this uh putting everything together appreciate that i appreciate you um you know, uh, if uh, you go into sugar ketosis, uh, <laughs> you know, call me, call a friend. Um, we're, we're here for you. But uh, thanks again, man. And uh, yeah, I'll catch you on the next one. Are you guys? I appreciate it, up? brother. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the donut. Thanks for your time and your insight. Appreciate you as well. And uh, yeah, and 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 here's the sign off, folks. Uh, you know, uh, until next time. The, the 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 that's all, folks. Take care. <laughs>